you guys would move in. Not enough room for everybody that's here today. So. Good to have you all here today. We're getting ready to take up an offering. God bless all you came out today. Um, we're going Facebook Live, right, Elizabeth? So anybody that really wants to see the message today because of uh, snow and stuff, we wouldn't normally do this, can just go to Lifeline uh, Facebook page. How, how would they do that? Uh, I tweeted it. You tweeted it. So, so, Lifeline, Lifehouse, both? Yeah. Okay. All right. We're going to take up an offering, everybody. So uh, it all goes to the Lord. We're thankful to each and every one of you here today. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about one of our goals after this before uh, we get ready to go into the message. So uh, let the words, each and every one of the songs is so speaking to a stirring. Can the Spirit of God stir my heart? Can I hear what it is that he has to say to me personally today? Let this song prepare your heart today. Lord, I come, Lord, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest without you.
your heads with me. Father, today I ask that your spirit would speak to us, that your spirit would open the scriptures to us, teach us something new and fresh from a past of scripture we may be familiar with, but may your Holy Spirit guide and direct us today, Father. We ask that you will uh, take your word, do a stirring in our heart so that we not just have a stirring, but we have something in our hearts and our lives that you commit to us so that we might do. So take a stirring and turn it into a movement in each and every one of us personally, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a couple quick announcements. Uh, at the uh, informational meeting, we had some uh, a question in regards to and wanted some information. In your program, over by the giving, is the uh, um, goal that I have up there, or I'm sorry, the mortgage. The first mortgage uh, uh, balance uh, is in there, 193, 193,000, and the second mortgage, 19,958. We put that in there. I'm going to possibly be sending out a letter this week also. Turn the volume down just a tad. Just pull the slide out just a tad. And then um, just to let you know also that there will be envelopes this week and next week if you want to help join in with us. Uh, thank you so very much for being a part of that. And then secondly, I was asked by Dawn and the counters to make sure that I put a, a, put a graphic up here of the giving envelope so that people know that your regular giving goes under tithes, building fund underneath there, and then if we have a special offering any other place. Dawn, anything else you want me to say? Okay, gotcha. So divide it up on there. Jill has a question. No, Jill said make sure we write our names clearly. <laughs> write your name clearly. I got the same situation going on also, so not a problem. All right, I got a high five question for you. See if you can find five people total. <laughs> high five. January 20th, 1954, uh, in Rogers Pass in Montana. Rogers Pass in Montana. The coldest temperature in the United States recorded there. 1954. See if you can find five people. Take a guess. What do you think was the coldest temperature recorded in Rogers Pass, Montana? Find five people. See if they know the answer. Too cold. All right, everybody. Yeah, you Montana, Alaska guys. Well, what do you think, Tom? Tom said 20 below. Hey, Mike, now half a step up, buddy. Um, 20 below, what do you think? 40 below? 50 below? Do I hear 50... 
69.7, below zero. Nah. Nothing runs, nothing exists, nothing happens in that cold of a temperature. All right, I want to ask you a question. If you have somebody that you love, if you have somebody that you care about, how, how would you get somebody to see something in themselves that they don't see? Somebody you care about, somebody you love. You know, when there's something that you care about somebody and there's something that you see, maybe you call it a blind spot. And so what I'm talking about is, is maybe they don't realize it, but every time they start to talk, they just kind of come across as arrogant. Maybe there's somebody, they don't realize it, but every time they talk, and when they're with somebody, a certain situation, they talk about they, 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 they come across as rude. You know, maybe it is something that they do constantly. Maybe they pick their nose while they talk, and that's annoying. <laughs> I have at the top of your notes, read thyself. Pull out your smartphone, pull out your notes. Do you have the ability to read thyself, to read yourself? One of the things that human beings have a tremendous need for is the ability to take a look at themselves, to look at their perspective from somebody else. This is one of the things I've tried to teach my children all of their lives. Do you have the ability to see what other people are seeing? The ability to almost have an out-of-body experience and look in. Do you see what they're seeing? You think you're coming across as this and that know-it-all, but you're coming across as arrogant and pride, whatever it might be. Human beings have to have the ability outside of the spiritual realm to be able to take a look at themselves and evaluate. And if not, hopefully you have somebody say, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? Husbands and wives are really good for each other. Moms and dads and brothers and sisters, whatever it is. But Christians have a great need too. Christians have a great need, not just from that human perspective, but we have a need from the spiritual perspective. For example, there are seven churches in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 that were the angel of the church from wherever it might be speaks. Now, do you understand that the angel is speaking to the church? In other words, these churches, there's one of them that's doing really well, and the other six, they're not doing really all that. There's always something to correct. And so in, like, for example, Revelation 3, 14, to the angel of the church, not to the pagan gathering, to the Christians in Laodicea, write these things. Hey, here's the words of the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the ruler of God. And he goes on to say, these are not my words. And so Christians need to prep up a little bit, have a little bit of a a possible stirring in their heart, because he goes on to say, I wish you were hot or cold, but you're neither. You are lukewarm, therefore I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How's them apples? Any kind of a stirring, any kind of in, in my heart, in my mind, how can I know if, Evan, this applies to me? couple different things number one you have to never lose that little bit of that respect and that fear of the lord lord are you speaking to me number two you have to be in the word of god number three you have to have an open heart see we need a stirring of the soul see that in your notes there could you turn to matthew the third chapter verses one through ten you have the first section there but go on your smartphone or your bible and open it because i uh, i don't have the rest of the verses just the opening what is it the opening three 
Now today, I'm going to use a Bible method study that you can use. So I always like to try to teach you something. This is the one where you choose a word in, in, a, in a few paragraphs or a few verses, and you focus in on that and see how everything else goes. You can do this. Anything that you do, pick, pick nine verses somewhere, three, 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 pick a word. To, number one in your notes, the word I want to look at is repent. Matthew, the third chapter, verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, here's the word, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now to the Jewish person, this would be Elijah, the return of Elijah, Elijah coming back. Matter of fact, if you know anything about Jewish traditions, I believe, I forget what, if it's the Seder me or whatever it is, where they actually go to the front door, open a door and look down the street to see if Elijah's coming. They literally, and they normally will have a child or somebody do that, you know, and they're, they're looking. Just to symbolize, we're expecting him to come back. And Jesus says this about um, uh, John the Baptist, you know, why do they say Elijah could come first? And he says, well, if you can accept this, John was the Elijah. Now, this word here, preaching, this word here, he, John the Baptist came preaching. This is the word for a herald. This is the word for a herald who would step out in front of an army to make an announcement for the general. He's not speaking for himself, but he's speaking for his superior. It was not his message, but it was the commander who had ordered him to proclaim. This is the word that is used here for John the Baptist. It's not his message. His message that he's bringing is from his commander. It's from his general. It's Jesus Christ. His church, it's out in the wilderness of Judea. And I did some little bit of research, geographic research. This is basically inhabited by wild beasts. This isn't Judea, this is the wilderness of Judea. And he's got this word, his message is repent. The kingdom of, of, of heaven is near, repent. The kingdom of heaven is coming here. Now the word kingdom here is not a, uh, a realm, a place. It is a reign where God reigns in your heart. That's what he's talking about here. There is this reign of God in our hearts. And he says, repent. There's a prerequisite to getting into the kingdom of heaven. And just in case you're curious, Matthew is the only one who uses this phraseology, kingdom of heaven. Most others are kingdom of God. So here's this word, repent, and it's a prerequisite. No one can get in. Remember Jesus, several different ways, got to be born again. You can't see, can't perceive, can't experience the kingdom you got to be born again. you got to repent. The repentance is the start and the open of it. You know, and I know a lot of people, they think this word repent, is, it kind of comes from a superficial perspective, right? You know, people think of saying, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you know. And sorry is not repentance. This word right here, it means to change your mind. To change your mind, a stirring of the mind. And it basically means change your mind, Evan, turn from your lifestyle to the king's lifestyle. I don't know what your goals and dreams were before you were a Christian, but I know very clearly what mine was. My friends and I, we really didn't drink much. We went to dance uh, clubs and stuff like that, and, you know, we gave lessons on dance. No, I'm just kidding. We, we didn't... Our goal was, my goal was, is with some of my friends, is we were going to buy and open a, a dance place. I mean, dancing and music and alcohol and all kinds of other stuff like that. It's just like, I don't want to be a welder for the rest of my life. I want to do something with my life. I want to have a place where people could go get drunk and, 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 and drive out and, you know, drunk drive around a little bit, you know. That was my goal. It was my dream. It was very much a part of me. And when I gave my life to Christ... 
had no problem turning from some of that. No problem getting away from some of that. No, changing my mind and getting to the place where not, this is my club. Not this is the church is my club now, everybody. My peeps, and they were all here today, right? Isaiah prophecy is fulfilled in John the Baptist. Isaiah 40, verse 3, you know, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way. So this passage of Scripture points to John the Baptist. If they were studiers of the Scripture, they would have known this, and now we know it. There's this wilderness that he's out in. And folks, before you come to Christ, there's a wilderness, a spiritual wilderness of sin and rebellion and where we are. So I ask myself, I ask you a question, is there a stirring in our soul today? Is there a stirring in your soul to repent from the Christian lukewarmness? Because Jesus said, man, go one way or another, but don't get lukewarm. Number two, the word I want to focus on is confessing. This is verse 4 of uh, Matthew, the third chapter. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem, all of Judea, and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing, there's the word, their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, it's interesting that Isaiah says, you got to watch for this guy. Watch for this guy. He's coming. And now you notice what he's eating and what he's wearing and his appearance. John's appearance, camel's hair, leather belt around him. Most of the people in this day and age, they would wear camel skin or a sackcloth for mourning. There was mourning and, and, there, and there was, you know, and you think about it. Here's the, here's, you, have to, you have to repent. You got to turn. Blessed are those who mourn for they will see the kingdom of heaven. Interesting enough, in 2 Kings 1.8, you're welcome to turn there, write it down, whatever. The king hears a message from a prophet, and the king doesn't like the message. And so in verse 8 of 2 Kings, the first chapter, the king asked, who was it? What did he look like? What was his appearance like that came and said that? And it says, quote, he had a garment of hair, and had a leather belt around his waist. The king said, that was Elijah, the Tishbite. That was Elijah. John the Baptist comes, fulfilling prophecy about the one who would come before and about Elijah, looking and dressing and sounding an awful lot like Elijah. Elijah was recognized by his clothes, and so was John the Baptist. Folks, we might not have gone out to where John the Baptist was. He would have been a little bit weird he had dressed a little bit funny and funky. And his diet, maybe it was a new cleansing diet. I don't know. And you think about what was going on there. Just a little bit of research, I found out that the people from Jerusalem, they lived about 2,500 feet above elevation, right? The different elevations, that's where they were at. They had to descend, they had to go down to where it was at, like 4,000 feet to the Jordan River. To get down to the Jordan River, they'd have to descend. I don't know how, but it was rocky and craggy and in this wilderness, so they'd have to descend to get down there. Now, here's the interesting part about them going there. They'd have to ascend to get back where they wanted to go. Oh, they were committed. It cost them. It took some effort. Folks, I, I commend every one of you. I'm not trying to tell, make anybody feel bad that's not here today. It took some effort to get here today. It took some effort to get here today. 
Some of you have a warm garage, fine. Some of you had to clean, but, but just, you're, you're here. It took some effort for them to get down to hear this message. There was some type of a powerful message, and what he looked like and what his message could have only said, this is from God. There's something that is stirring their souls. Something in John's message started a stirring in their hearts. It could only be God because repentance then leads to confession. Repentance, see what they were doing? They were confessing their sins. The only way you could get baptized by John the Baptist was to repent and to confess your sins. If that was the case, and you'll see here in a minute, just it's off limits. It's off limits to who you are and what you have. So be careful of the phrases that say, you know, you really have to accept Jesus. I get that. I understand that. But be careful of just dumbing it down a little bit. You know, uh, things like, you know, why don't you just give Jesus a try? These people, there's something about, they said, you know, I, I see my sin. I see what you're talking about. They were confessing their sin and they were being baptized. What's the purpose of baptism? The word is baptizo, okay? What they would do, the best picture I can give for you is this word baptizo is the same word that you use when you develop a brine or a solution to turn a cucumber into a pickle. You take that cucumber, slice up over, you baptize it in that solution, put the lid on it, and you let it absorb it. It becomes it. If you are baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are supposed to take on Jesus. You're supposed to go from a cucumber to a pickle. That's the picture. So has your soul been stirred to the point of confession? We're having baptisms in March. I believe it's the third Sunday. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and haven't been baptized, why not? But more importantly, are you living the baptized, changed lifestyle? Number three, the word is produce. Verse seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. Now in the opposite realm of these people coming, repenting, confessing, and being baptized, the opposite realm is the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, uh, what were they doing there? Did any of their preaching cause people to repent? Did any of their preaching cause people to confess their sin? Did they baptize anybody? Were any lives being changed? Or had they just fallen into that religiosity that permeates America today? The Pharisees and Sadducees come along there and, you know, there's something that turns off in a Christian's head when they read these things. Can I please ask you from this day forward, Sometimes a Christian reads there's something about Pharisees and there's something about Sadducees and as soon as like, oh, I'm not one of those because I'm a Christian. Very dangerous. When you read that there's a Pharisee and a Sadducee and there's something they're doing, I want you to say, am I living anything like that? A little bit of the fear of the Lord, you know? And, and oftentimes we say, not me. You know, our way of saying not me, I'm a Christian I'm, I'm not a Pharisee of Sadducee. It was their way of saying, we're, we're family. We're of the line of Abraham. It's like somebody saying, I'm a Christian. I, 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 I got saved. I, I'm doing this. 
they don't realize. They're saying the same thing. We're saying the same thing today that they were saying. Hey, hey, John the Baptist, he cut it off. He knew where they were going. That's like somebody saying, no, I'm a Christian. I got saved this, that, the other. No, no, how are you living today? Is there any stirring in my heart, any stirring in our hearts today? Notice they didn't come down to repent and confess their sin. They came down most of the time. They were checking out the religious activity that they had not given the stamp of approval on. They're checking it out. They're checking it out to make sure, you know, checking it out. John uses this picture where you brood of vipers. Who warns you to flee the coming wrath? This is a picture of snakes in grassy areas and crags and fields where a fire starts to run through and the snakes run for cover. They're running to flee. Can't you just see the snakes running and fleeing? That's the picture. He says, you brood of vipers? Is there a fire lit in you? You're you're running. How are you, you know, you think you're going to just come down here and get baptized and get freed up? He says, produce fruit to show true repentance. Change your behavior. So we see it all the time, right? What's the difference between somebody getting caught and saying they're sorry versus somebody who listens to the word of God, is in the word of God, hears from the Lord and says, Lord, forgive me before anybody else even knows it. Lord, I'm a sinner. What's the difference? Somebody hears it, somebody gets caught on TV, a politician, whatever, they're extremely sorry. Of course they are. They're sorry they got caught. This is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that that my lifestyle was so against what it is exactly to what you wanted and how you lived for and what you wanted me to live for. So the question I ask myself and I ask you is, is, are you producing fruit? That's the question. That, that's the question for them. Are you, uh, are you still leaning on your salvation experience from years ago? Are you kind of using the phraseology, we have Abraham, no, I'm a Christian, I don't need to repent? Is there a stirring in your heart that points to the fact that you have not been bearing fruit? Is there any stirring in your heart that says, you know, I, I did when I was a new Christian. I, I was walking, I was producing fruit, I, I was... Uh, I was faithful to the Lord but I've just kind of gotten so far away from it number four is simply the word acts A-X <laughs> verse 10 John says the axe is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire John uses the word the picture word he uses all of these illustrations of an axe an axe chops, an axe cuts, an axe divides, an axe takes down. The picture here is one of impending judgment. When he says that the axe is already at the root, it's kind of like, you know, before you take, swing an axe and you hit something, normally you take the axe and you kind of like tap it right there, right? Right at the base of it. You tap it and then you go, wham. He said the axe is tapping. The axe is right there. It's getting ready to pull back and chop down. All of Israel, you, 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 you Pharisees and you Sadducees, you're so far away. You're getting ready to get taken down. The gospel is going to be taken out of the hands of the Jews and given to the Gentiles. But to you and to me personally, when we read this, we say to ourselves, is there anything that I am doing that's producing fruit? Because every tree that Scripture says that does not produce fruit is going to be cut down, burned in the fire. I ask myself, you know, am I winding down just because I'm getting old? Are we winding down just because we're busy? Do we not produce fruit and think that we have a good reason for it? Am I producing fruit? Am I a Pharisee? 
Am I claiming Abraham's my father? Oh, I'm a Christian. So I ask myself and I ask you today, you know, is there any lukewarm Christians who think to themselves, hmm, that ax will never take me down. But the other side of it might be that there's a stirring in your heart. And you're asking the question, you know, is that me? Have I become somehow or another lukewarm? You see, when a soul is stirred, it's because a heart is soft towards the things of God. When your heart is soft towards the things of God, then in our heart and our life, there's what I have in your notes there. There's a moving. There's a, a, a stirring, and then there's this moving. You know, there's some people here today, you're checking your heart like I did when I was going over this. Evan, don't be preaching this. You gotta live this too. There's some here today, that there's that, you're checking your heart, and there's the moving of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And then there's others you're here today and you're really not checking your heart on anything. Your mind may be somewhere else and you're not experiencing any moving of the Holy Spirit because he's been quenched a long time ago. You're singing this hymn, I shall not be moved, even though the Spirit of God might be wanting to move you. And it's interesting that Jesus in John 15 kind of talks about this exact same picture. This exact same picture in John 15, 1 and 2, and then verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off. Isn't that what an ax does? He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. Don't think that there could be any clearer message about being fruitful, about walking with the Lord, about bearing fruit, or getting chopped off and spending eternity without Christ because that's what happens to lukewarm Christians. You can't have a lukewarm pagan. It's applied to you and to me. The only way to bear fruit is to remain in Jesus Christ. And that's why the asterisk simply is, are you being cut off or pruned? That's, wouldn't that be the question you'd ask yourself? Am I being cut off or am I being pruned? You know, and as, as you contemplate that, cut off would mean to say kind of like what we talked about. I was saved in 1983. I could just say, I was saved in 1983, called into ministry. That time. But do you know how many preachers head down the line of, oh, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do? I could do this without the Holy Spirit. I can talk. I could talk before I got saved. My friend said, man, you could talk to a telephone pole, Evan. I must become less. John the Baptist said, you must become greater. Uh, we've been in the church, all, be getting cut off. You're saying, you know, I don't really have to use my gifts for the church. There's no moving of the Holy Spirit, and you're just dead and kind of religious. Like what a lot of us, like even what I was before I was Christian. If you're being pruned, there's testings and trials that come to your life. And those testings and trials, they make you more like Christ. They produce in you a, um, a patience. Because the scripture says testings and trials are good for us. They cause some people to walk away and others to overcome, become overcomers. If you're being pruned, you serve Jesus, you serve his church. You're anxious for next week, the ministry fair. Because you want to see, hey, where could I fit in? You're asking yourself, am I producing even more fruit? Because the passage doesn't allow me to remain, mm. it says, Evan, are you moving up? 
Are you moving up? Are you producing more and more? Those who are being proved produce more and more. And when we experience a stirring in our soul, there comes a time when there is a settling. The bottom of your notes is settling. There comes a time when you just settle it. You settle it in your heart. You settle it in your soul. You, it's, the Spirit of God has moved. There's been a stirring. You know, there's been a, a moving in the Spirit of God. And so you settle it in your heart. You know, it, it, we're, uh, I'm going to do whatever the Lord asks me to do. And as you see in your notes there, I have a little place there that you could write your stirring. You keep it private between you and the Lord. What is it that has caused you to stir? What has the Holy Spirit said to you? I'm hoping that today to many of you he just said, you're good, you're doing a good job, keep moving forward, you know, step up. You know, all of us go through that time up and down. I can remember having to rededicate my life to Christ in regards to entire sanctification. There's those times of recommitment. I'm hoping that that will be that way for some or all of us here today. I I read a story about a, a couple who were moving the wife tells the story that uh, after living in the house for four years, they were getting ready to move. They, I, I figured he got a job out of state. She said her husband went, uh, was backing up the truck to the garage door so that we could uh, start loading all of the boxes. Just then, one of the neighbors comes walking across the yard. They're carrying a plate full of muffins. And she says her husband said, isn't that thoughtful? They must realize that we packed all of our kitchen stuff. The neighbor stuck out his hand and boomed, welcome to the neighborhood. They had lived there four years. They weren't coming, they were going. I asked myself the question, could you ask yourself the question, does anybody know who I am, what I am, where I live? Does anybody know if I'm coming or going? Does anybody know who I am in Christ? Have I isolated myself from the rest of the world and people at work? and my neighbors, and everybody else. I'm a Christian, and it's my private life, and no way in the world has Jesus ever, ever said that our faith is to be private. It is to be public. We are to be his witnesses. People don't know us. They don't don't know our lives. They don't know our faith. They don't know our Jesus. Is there a settling that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about today? Could you bow your heads with me? Jesus today your word is so true so convicting as I went through it today as I prepared oh it was just don't settle for the status quo Evan for all of those that are here today Lord between you and them may all that need to rededicate them lives say to you today Jesus I'm rededicating my life to you Lord Jesus may all of us who are Christians Maybe we started down that slippery slope of saying, you know, isn't this? I don't and maybe we started to get a little lukewarm and all you wanted to do today was just prop them up, set them on fire as they ask the question, Lord, because they love you. Your spirit stirred me. It, am I producing fruit? The scripture says I would produce more and more fruit. Am I using the gifts that you have given me? I'm using the talents, my time, my energy to promote your kingdom. This year, our main focus is your kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and your righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Father, we give you the honor and the glory for what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for the stirring you are doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
Good morning, Lifeline. If at this time the 